Hello, and welcome to Automating Success Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Langton, and with me as always, my co-host and daughter, Julia Langton. I'm a serial entrepreneur and president of Langton Group, working towards uniting the landscaping industry and helping everyone to not only survive, but thrive during the upcoming automation revolution. Our goal with this show is to inspire all of our listeners to incorporate automation into their business and maximize the associated benefit for your business and employees by sharing experiences, insights, and amazing interviews with the best thought leaders in the industry. We will also be chronicling the growth of mine and Julia's newest automation-focused startup venture, Automated Outdoor Solutions. Now let's get the show started. It's good to be king and have your own way. Get a feeling of peace at the end of the day. When you build dark barns and your canary sings, you're out there with winners. It's good to be king. Mr. Frank Mariani. Yeah, in the in the flesh. Kinda. All right, let me shut off my phone, I realize here. Yeah. All right. Another day in the office having to work through technology problems. That's all right. If yeah, that's the worst, if that's the worst thing that happens, we'll be okay. <laughs> All right. I, I was getting frustrated. I'm thinking I can help. I can help you guys with uh, automating and giving your customers better service. And uh, I can't figure out how to get us on a Zoom call. What is that's this? all right. That's yeah. all right, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Frank. That's your um, lovely daughter. Yes. Hi, this nice is, to meet you. Yeah, Frank, nice to meet you. So, so Frank, you you have to know that. Um, she she is responsible for so much in the background uh, with all the robotic stuff that you and I are doing together, uh, and and so it's good that you guys could finally meet. Yeah, and Terrific. she is like she's my left hand woman right now. Is I love it next to me on the left. So, um, <laughs> so real quick, uh, you know what what we do here and what Julia does. Uh, this was part of her idea to make our podcast uh, really good. Was we like to pick a song right out okay. of the gate or have you pick your song right yours is to be it's good to be a king from tom petty so tell us a little bit when you hear that song what resonates with frank mariani with that song well i mean the you know the first of all i i just like the melody of the song i like the music i like tom petty i'm sorry that he passed and um so it starts with just liking it uh before you even listen to the lyrics um the other thing it, it just made me kind of chuckle because you know, we built a big business and uh, I think some people, uh, it's humbling sometimes because people act like you're the king and all that. I've, I've never felt that way in, in any manner. As a matter of fact, uh, far from it. But um, then when you get into the lyrics and you, and you think about what he's saying, he's kind of mocking that theory too, where uh, it's good to be king in a lot of ways you know, because you think about different things, how lucky you are, how fortunate you are, things like that. And yet, at the end of the day, uh, you know, the only thing you're really, uh, accountability and things like that have nothing to do with being anointed a king, you know, uh, earning respect, making relationships is hard work. And if you accomplish that, you know, in a little way, sometimes I do feel like I'm top of the world. And that I'm extremely fortunate, even when I'm not. So, you know, that song, if you listen to it, and I can listen to it 20 times in a day. You know, I, uh, 
Uh, I think I've told you this before, Joe, but you know, uh, I like to walk a lot. Uh, instead of eating, uh, I go and at lunchtime and I'll walk and I'll walk anywhere between seven and 20 miles. And, um, a lot of that time I don't have anything on because I want to think, but sometimes I need to relax and I'll, I'll put my uh, Pandora or I'll put in my own music or things like that. And I'm with my own music. That's a song that I'll pull up over and over and over again. So, uh, that's what it kind of is. I got a kick out of it when you ask, because quite frankly, I'm, I am a music freak uh, <laughs> in the sense that I like everything from very, very old jazz and blues, um, to the newest music that's just come out. Um, and everything in between, I like country, uh, you know, I, I, I like it all. Um, some better than individuals within those different genres, but, uh, I like it all. So music is important to me. And I usually pull out, uh, I've been thinking lately, now that I'm 66 years old and uh, run pretty hard. So when they put me in a box, I, I am going to take some time uh, to develop a music track. So when people come, if, if in fact we can get together and by, by the way, I can't die soon because I want to have a huge wake with a big party and I'll have a lot of music there. So <laughs> Frank, I, I've told people since the first time I met you that I feel like you and I are a lot alike. And uh, you saying that, I mean, Julie can elaborate Yeah, this. I mean, he's talked about it to me. It's quite sad when he talks about it for me. But he's already talked about that. He's talked about the songs that he wants played. I, I, I don't know. So I always tell my daughter that no matter what we do in business and whatever successes we have, I feel like you can judge a person and their impact by how many people come to their wake and funeral um, because uh, that that is like the way I live my life. I always want people to want to pay their respects and celebrate what was accomplished with me in their life, not what I accomplished. And um, well, just, just, just hearing you say that, it just makes me realize that we're even more aligned than I ever realized, you know? Well, I can't tell you, you know, when my dad died, you know, I was uh, 19 and the oldest uh, sibling. And uh, my dad was only 45 years old. And to this day, first of all, uh, you know, every, everybody loved my dad. We had two, two nights of wakes because you couldn't fit everybody in. And it could have been a week. Um, but uh, then when we, we had the, the uh, funeral the following day and the line to the cemetery was, you know, I kept just turning around. It gave me such comfort to know uh, what an impact my father had made on so many people. I'll never forget it. So I agree with you completely. I think that that's a, a, a reflection of, uh, and I, but not for the dead person. I, I think the, the comfort level comes for the family and for friends to know, hey, this person was a good person. Uh, and had a lot of friends and what, what's more important than friendship and relationship and things like that. So it's a reflection of that, but you know, I don't, I don't look at it as being morbid at all. I, I look at it as, uh, is, uh, uh, comfort for family and comfort for friends. So yeah. anyway, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, you know, good to be King thing. So, um, I'm sure that some people, when they see it, they'll say, can you imagine this guy 
picked that song, but I don't care. <laughs> well, so Frank, listen, I mean, I picked the man by the killers and people probably hear that and think like, oh, the ego on this guy, you know, right, he's the right. man. but the, the parts in, in, I'll get to what, when I heard yours, what resonated right away. But, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, I got, I got gas in the tank. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it's like when I'm driving around, um, I've got, you know, I've got skin in the game. I've got gas in the tank. Right. And, when I'm driving is you said when walking for me, I drive a lot. I, I see a lot of people in a day and a lot of my ideas come while I'm driving. Right. So I always look at it, as long as I have gas in the tank, I'm going to have ideas, you know? So that's, what's cool about music is, you know, you can't look at the title of the song. You have to dive into the lyrics. And so like when I listened to, to especially nowadays, song, yes. When, <laughs> when, when I listened to your song, you know, one of the things that I saw was, it's good to be king, whatever it pays. Because everybody assumes if you're king, you're making all this money and it's all right. about profits. But um, to me, it's about the leadership role that, that we take. And, and I can see that in, in you and your organization because there's a lot to be said about, uh, you know, you can tell what type of leader someone is by the way their people respond and react. And from the beginning of our relationship, you know, I started working with Todd and Tim and Ron and A to hear the way those people talk about your organization and B to see the way they act around your customers and clients, you know, it just shows um, what has been built over there at Mariani. And uh, I'm just gonna tell you some feedback. Those those guys you have me working with, um, amazing group of, of people. And uh, Well, you know, we have a quarter of a thank you for that. And that's, Look, this November, my dad will be gone 47 years. So I've been at the helm for 47 years. And the only, and I still love coming to work almost every day. I don't know if people can say say that. Um, but, you know, I, I really don't want to, you know, I, I, it's what I like doing. It's not a sacrifice for me whatsoever. So I feel blessed from that. And it's all about the relationship relationships, three different ways. Number one, the associates that are here, we like to have a family type of business without all the family garbage. Um, and we've got a quarter of a century club here. We have over 30 associates have been here over 25 years. Some of them is almost as long as me. So in the forties, you don't do that uh, by accident. You don't get lucky to do that, especially nowadays. You know, by the way, I don't believe in millenniums and baby boomers and Gen X and all the other garbage. Uh, I believe in somebody would like to make a career at Mariani. That's what we're looking for. We don't hire people for a job. We hire them for a career. Some of those uh, quarter of a century club are been laborers from day one. They're still laborers and they're still here. To me, that's the biggest compliment to ownership and the management you could possibly have, because for some reason they still find that this job uh, at, at the very uh, uh, lowest level, and I don't mean low as far, but, you know, beginning level, being a labor and stuff like that, it's very, very important that we have quality laborers. They're much more uh, to us than uh, the lowest rank on the ladder um, because quite frankly, without them, we have nothing. And I think they appreciate that. That's why they're here over 25 years. So 
these things, uh, you know, we're far from perfect and especially me, but we're always trying to improve. If I didn't feel that, uh, that each and every day we aren't better than the day before, I wouldn't do this. And right now I can tell you and your daughter, in all honesty, we have the best team we've ever had until tomorrow. And then we'll have a better team until next year. We'll have a better team. And when we don't do that, you know, I don't want to be here. Next thing is the clients, you know, some of the, you know, there's only a few left uh, clients that knew my dad, but still they talk to me to this day when I talk to him about my dad and what he meant to them and vice versa. And, you know, clients, you know, we've gone through four recessions. We've gone through assassinations. We've gone through 9-11. Now we're going through this disaster. Yeah. And guess what? I'm not worried one damn bit. Well, I shouldn't say that. I am a little worried about one thing, and I'm not a conspiracy type of guy. I'm worried that China is in such bad shape that they may have another something to spring on us next year, which would put the whole world into a tailspin. And that concerns me. Um, but we don't want to get into politics because I would just say right now, everybody would be at school and everybody would be working if it was up to me. And I had COVID as did my wife and uh, my brother uh, over three months ago. And uh, uh, my brother, who's also battling cancer, uh, was on a ventilator and got off of it. And two nights I said goodbye to him. I never thought I'd see him but he beat it. And, um, uh, for myself and for Sherry, it was, you know, if I didn't know there was a problem out there, I would have gone to work because I just had a low grade fever and it was, I just thought I had a bug. So it was nothing for us. So, um, I'm glad that we're working out. Another thing between the three Mariani companies, uh, Mariani landscape, Mariani nursery, which is called Mariani plants and Hampshire farms, our business uh, that produces perennials for big box stores. We've got over 1,100 employees. We've only had five or seven uh, cases because we did everything. The team was incredible. Team, top to bottom. Social distancing, masks, sterilization. We did everything using more equipment than we ever used before so that people would be spaced. Um, let let good companies, let good teachers, let good store owners, let them do what's right, and we're going to get through this damn thing. So, Frank, I couldn't agree. Enough politics. Yeah, no, I'll, and, and I'll just I'll add because I couldn't agree more. Um, a, we've had employees that have gotten it all from outside the company. Okay, but, uh, Joe. By the way, I got to throw that in. Those associates that got it, we sent home their team for a week. Not one team member got it. So therefore, all those people got it somewhere else and brought it. But the good news is they didn't spread it because of the way we go about, you know, you can even be with somebody who has it. And if you're masks and gloves and da-da-da-da-da, a good chance nobody else is going to get it. Perfect example is our company. So that's what yeah. we did. Yeah, well, and that's what happened here. I mean, you know, and so my stepson had it, you know, who was one of our robotic installers. And 
you know, people were basically asking me, well, are you going to get a hotel and are you going to stay somewhere else? And I said, no, I, you know, I'm going to stay in a separate room. I'm going to try to stay away from them. I'm going to do everything they say. I mean, I was wearing a mask in my own house, but, but the, the reality of it is he got it kind of same thing. Like you said, Frank, uh, you know, had some body aches, lost his taste, lost his smell. And I had him texting me saying, Hey, I, I want to go play golf because he felt right. fine, you know? Right. And I'm telling him, no, you're staying home for two weeks. So, right. yeah, I mean, that's the thing about it. If, if we take a common sense approach to it, I think I agree with you. You know, we, we have common sense about it. Don't go out, you know, and, and cough on everybody and sneeze on everybody, but you know, let, let the businesses protect their people and stay right. in business. You know, yep. that's what it comes down to. But right. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, you actually started bringing it up was, was your three companies um, that you have expand a little bit on, and, you know, who runs those companies for you? You know, one of the, one of the reasons to me that it's important for me to do this podcast with my daughter is every time she's on a podcast, she gets to hear from a brilliant person like you or whoever my other guests are. So I just kind of want to hear your evolution through that. I mean, obviously you brought up how your dad owned the company. Maybe, maybe take us on, on a trail from, you know, um, when you took over for your dad, I think in 1973, correct me if I'm wrong on that date, um, kind of how you like turned into Frank Mariani that we see today. And then the start of all your other companies, if you could take us down that path. Well, uh, in the spring of 73, we found out that my dad had leukemia and, uh, I was, uh, just graduated high school. I was going to go to SIU. Um, and, uh, actually I had a football scholarship. I would have gotten murdered, but so maybe this was a, you know, <laughs> blessing in disguise, but what, what position did you play, Frank? I, I need to know. No, no defensive nose guard. Oh, okay. You'd have been going up against a guy like me. I, w- I was a guard. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And I love beating up guards. But anyway, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, 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 we found out my dad was sick in March. And uh, quite frankly, they only gave him three months to live, uh, which I found out after because he never said that to me. Um, but he lasted two days uh, after we closed down in November. And uh, priest... Our family priest said to me, he said he was going to make it through the whole year and show you how to run the company. And that's, in fact, what he did. And um, in 1973, we did $90,000 in revenue. And uh, we had about nine employees, a couple trucks. My dad was a hell of a lot smarter because he declared $30,000. So he was making 30%. Uh, I've never been able to figure out how to do that. But... Um, you know, I've, I've, I was feeling sorry for myself because I lost my father. Um, he was a great guy and had to watch him go. And all my friends were going off to college. And, you know, quite frankly, I wasn't a great student, but I loved high school. I got along with everybody. I got back then, you had greasers, you had hippies, you had jocks, and I hung around with everybody. And um, uh, so when they all went to school, I felt, Oh, what the hell? I'm here. I'm stuck. But uh, I was also worried that every single year, you know, you shut down in the fall, you start up in the spring. I thought I'd lose every client and I'd have to start in spring with nobody. It's just what drove me. And I said, I can't do that. I got to build this business. And at that time, my dad taught me 
he'd wake me up at 4.30 in the morning. For the life of me, I, I don't know. So I'd come down. He'd already have toast with butter and jelly, and he probably made it at 3.30. I said, Dad, is there – I mean, could you wait to put the toast in the toaster? I come. He made it every day anyway, and I didn't like jelly. He still made it every day. And then we talked for a couple hours. Then the guys would get there, and I said, you know, and then he passed. I said, if I'm going to get up at this hour of the day, I, I, I got to build a bigger business because, you know, I want to I have people to talk to um, that are smarter than me, and, uh, and I want to make more money. This is too many hours to make what we're making. And so within a couple of years, I was well over a million dollars. And uh, uh, at that time, I had two brothers working for me, Vito and uh, John and Vito. Then we started, we moved out of just doing landscape maintenance. We started doing landscape design and landscape construction. Um, and I've always been a big believer in vertical integration. And then I hired people like Frank Vena, who's been with me over 40 years. And, you know, and uh, we moved out, out of, you know, I was operating out of the house uh, as my office. And uh, I rented a little shop. It was cost me about $1,000 a year. It was nothing. Eventually got an office, Eureka. I got a, uh, an assistant, uh, you know, back then you could call him the secretary and uh, answer the phones. And uh, we would continue to be a full service company, always really uh, looking at the um, uh, residential uh, side of the business. We prefer the residential. We do some commercial, uh, but mostly residential. Um, and you are the largest residential landscaper in the country right now, correct? Well, people have said that, uh, you know, I, I think it's true. Um, um, but I have to tell you what's, what's interesting. I never set sites to be the biggest, but here's why we grew. And I think this is very important. When you would train somebody and bring somebody on and have good people, the only way I know how to keep them is to grow to the business so there's opportunity for them to move up the ladder. You know, and, and, <laughs> Frank, Frank I, I, sorry, my daughter's laughing because I, I say this to her all the time. So Right. I mean, I, I don't know how to keep, you know, Frank Vena, Ron Fiocchi, you know, uh, I mean, the list goes, I mean, I don't know how to do it. Well, and now look at, I'm working with Todd. Sorry, I interrupted right. you, Frank. But Todd is Frank's son. Well, you know, the Vena family is very interesting because Frank has been with me over 40 years. His wife, Tammy, who's a bookkeeper, our company has been here well over 20 years. Todd, who also happens to be my godson, it runs the uh, maintenance production. Todd's wife, Andrea, is, our, is uh, our purchasing manager. So you got four people from one family. I think that speaks. Yeah, you're doing something to, right, Frank. Yeah. You're doing something right. And, and I'm blessed to have all four of them working here. Um, Frank, once in a while, I wonder how blessed I am, but you know, the rest of the gang is, <laughs> is, is phenomenal. But anyway, so that's why we grew the business. Um, and the vertical integration thing. So you, we started with maintenance, you know, uh, then we started doing landscape architecture and then we started building things. Um, and so that, you know, those, that was no brainers. Um, but then we started doing snow, you know, and then we started doing our own pest management. Um, but you look at, uh, you know, then we opened a garden, uh, 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 holiday shop 
which, you know, generates a couple million dollars worth of business a year, you know, doing lighting and doing, uh, you know, these custom reeds and, and going to your home. We'll do everything inside and out, the lighting, reeds, uh, tabletops, anything you want, we'll do it. Um, and it's a nice business and we love Christmas time. We shut down for two weeks every year at Christmas. And we don't count that against people's vacation time. And it's something that we say we can't promise you every year, but we've been doing it well over 35 years. And people said, oh, you're such a nice guy. So, well, number one, I love Christmas and Hanukkah. I love the holidays. And number two, nobody does anything anyway. So I don't want to look at them doing nothing except having a party every day. So go home, enjoy your family, work to the day we stop and come back ready to work when you get back. In the meantime, enjoy your family and friends. They get to spend time with, I mean, that's a huge perk that people really appreciate. And, and guess what? I appreciate it probably more than they do. So that's a win-win for everybody. Then um, we got a nursery business. I don't know. Uh, and by the way, I'm not good with dates. So probably early 90s. And the reason we got, we bought 135 acres with the idea, the only people that would buy from Mariani would be Mariani. Because why would the competition buy from us? And, you know, now that nursery is two different locations and it's close to 700 acres. Um, so that kept expanding in different ways. But the reason we got in the nursery business is because our, our, where we, our sources for buying nursery stock were, is just boring. It was different types of pines and evergreens, junipers, and red twig dogwood, nothing exciting. And I wanted to push the envelope and grow things that other people weren't growing. And we've done that. We've been very successful. And lo and behold, the smart competitors that we had, the good ones, um, they bought from us. But the understanding was whatever Mariani landscape paid, they were going to pay. No special uh, uh, conditions for Mariani. They have to be treated the exact same way. And we built that level of trust and it works. Then a few years after that, uh, my attorney, uh, who happens to be a good personal friend, so we've done quite a few deals together, came to me and talked about a perennial business out in Hampshire called Iverson, who had just sold his business to a Southern grower for like $10 million and left this three acres of uh, of uh, greenhouses in Hampshire on 50 acres of property. And we bought it for a very good price. And now we've got over a million square feet of growing. And we produce about uh, uh, $20 million worth of perennials that we sell primarily through Home Depot. And the quality is spectacular. And, and my thinking on that was, if the economy really went in the toilet, and people weren't going to use a company like Mariani, they still want a little color and joy in their life. Maybe they'll go to Home Depot and they'll buy some plants and we can supply them with that color and joy. And it's worked pretty well. Um, so those kind of things. And then each, each one of those companies, you know, uh, at, uh, geez, 19 years ago, uh, I was in uh, YPO at that time, the Young President's Organization. Now I'm in... <laughs> WPO, which is what they should have called it, old, uh, old uh, YPO guys. But uh, my forum group, uh, which is made up of anywhere between six and 12 people that you can talk about anything uh, 
in strict confidentiality, private or business, they advised me to get a a president because, you know, I mean, I couldn't do everything I was doing. I wasn't enjoying it as much as I was before. Um, And I hired my president, who now is my partner, Fred Wacker. So together we run these three companies, but each company then also has Fred's the president of Mariani, but we have a G, you know, we have a full operating committee, a management team at Mariani. We have Mike Menino, who is our general manager at the nursery at Mariani plants. And we have Bob Whiteside and Chris Hansen over at the Hampshire farms. And they, each one of those has their own group of, of, you know, a management team. And we really let them do their work, but we're big in the strategic planning. In fact, we're going through that process right now. We're very big in budgeting. Um, uh, we kind of like the uh, blue ocean theory, which, you know, let's, let's think of things that other people aren't doing and, and how can we lead? Um, I'm a big fan right now. There are a million, well, million might be exaggerating, but there's a lot of new landscape companies. A lot of them are are uh, uh, Latino, you know, Mexican companies out there. Uh, some of my uh, friends and larger competitors, uh, they don't like the idea that these people are coming in. To me, that reminds me of my dad in 1973. I knew there were people that weren't crazy about him, the big companies. Who's this Dago? Who's this Italian guy doesn't even speak English? Well, guess what? It became Mariani Landscape and these other little companies, a lot of them work for us. They're going to make their way. That's the American way. And I'm proud of them. Guess what? The better job they do, I still want to beat them. So it's good. Our team wants to beat them. We want to be better. But in the meantime, we appreciate the competition and we think that'll push us. Uh, by the way, we're remodeling our facility. So expect a couple bangs. Yeah, Ron told me he was doing that. So that was yeah. probably Ron hitting that wall. <laughs> yeah, well, they're gonna, they're, it's going to get louder. But uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, I think competition is great. And, you know, I always look at it, uh, Michael Phelps, I think um, he touched the wall first because he could see to the right and the left who was going to catch him. He never wanted anybody to catch him, so he swam faster. We're looking left and right all the time, and we're looking for ways that differentiate us from our competition because I want to, and my, more importantly, our team wants to touch the wall first. So that's what we do. Um, and yeah. that vertical, vertical integration thing, it's, you know, God knows I didn't create that. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, lucky enough to have you as a friend and get very involved in this robotic mowing. You know, uh, when I heard about it, you know, I nice thing about computers, you get online, by the way, I'm a caveman, but I can go on uh, Google and I can look up anything. I can see the fact that in Germany, over 50% of the turf cut in Germany is cut by a robotic mower. You know, we're predicting that within five years here, that may number may even be bigger. Uh, if I, we have anything to say about it, it will be bigger. We want to be the leader in the clubhouse. And as you know, Joe, we're making a major investment. I mean, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, it's worth it. And, uh, you know, I think we in the green industry need to do a better job of doing things in a green uh, and sustainable manner. What's better than a robotic mower? You know, plus the other thing I like to tell everybody, everybody wanted to be cut on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. 
Every day is your lawn is mowed. Every single day. It looks beautiful. As, and as Ryan as Ron said, every day is a Friday. Every day is Friday. No fingers and toes cut. Yes. And as much as we emphasis <laughs> uh, safety here, which we really do, and we've done a great job, inevitably every two or three years, somebody makes a huge mistake. That'll never happen again with these robotic mowers. Never happen again. That in itself is worth the cost of admission. Yes, Frank, so, people have said to me, they don't know how guys like you and I don't lose sleep at night having, you know, robots out all over the place. And I said, I actually sleep better because I can easily replace a robot if somebody runs one over or something happens. But you, you, you know, you cannot replace a limb or an employee that gets in an accident while they're driving. Um, you know, you limit the amount of people that are in a vehicle when you have the robot, you know, going, they're pulling, uh, the trailers are not as large. So all of the uh, potential risks start to decrease. Your customers are happier because every day is a Friday. And, you know, one of the things I always like to talk to, maybe you could elaborate more on it because you brought up, you know, your, your laborers, your, your entry-level uh, laborers that, you, you know, we all can't do without. But, you know, they, they call it the glass ceiling, but I, I've been calling it in our industry the grass ceiling, meaning, you know, you, you get people that are really good at mowing grass, and then you need to keep that area filled, but how do you move them up into your 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 other profit well, generating I, I, areas? I, I can tell you, I was just gonna st- I was just gonna say that story. I had uh, one of our laborers uh, mowers come up and he said, "Patron, does this mean I'm gonna lose my job?" I said, "Absolutely. You are gonna no longer be mowing any grass." And, well, then what? Well. It's really a sad story, Pedro. I'm going to have to teach you another skill like horticulture and pay you more money. Yeah. I said, what? (laughs) I said, you heard me. Now you're going to be pruning. You're going to be doing other things you weren't doing before. Your, Your level of expertise is going to raise. And guess what? What we charge for you and what we pay you is going to go up also. Plus, we don't have enough people to do everything we want to do. So nobody is going to lose their job unless they don't want to learn, unless they don't want to make more money. Yeah. If they don't want to make more money, then they'll probably lose their job. Um, and we mean that. And it's easy. I mean, uh, easy, even with this crazy unemployment right now, you can't find people that want to work. We don't have a problem finding. We, you know, we've never been a company that paid minimum wage ever. In 46 and a half years, we've never paid minimum wage. And I don't need a politician telling me what I should pay somebody because it's going to far exceed what they promise trying to win votes. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're in good stead as far as that goes. But, you know, there's there's nothing. But, you know, this thing, you know, what's next with uh, robotics? You know, I mean, you know, eventually, you know, we're toying with the idea right now. When I started working for my dad, they we used real mowers, the ones that you could push and the smaller jobs. They made no noise, no pollution, and actually you know good for a workout. We used a broom instead of a blower. We used a hand edger instead of a weed whip. We did all these things by hand. We didn't use hedger trimmers, we used manual uh pruners and tr- um we think we have some clients who'd be happy to pay the extra labor involved because it'll increase the time on a job substantially to do all these things manually. 
But the robots are one thing that we can pay back right away. And all these other uh, things that I'm mentioning, majority of them, there will be a robotic answer to those things too. But some of them, I doubt there's going to be a robotic pruner. I could be wrong, but not the type of pruning we want to do. I don't, I don't think I'm wrong. And um, um, we can offer those services if, if uh, Mrs. Jones, Mr. Jones, want a organic, uh, sustainable approach, a quiet approach. By the way, I think noise pollution is the biggest deal with the, with the robotic mowers. And I can't wait till they create a blower. They've lowered the noise level considerably, but it's still too loud for my taste. Yeah. So we're going to get there. In the meantime, guess what? A broom does work, especially on smaller projects. So we'll get there. And uh, again, we prefer to be the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. You're helping. You, young man, are helping us do that. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that I always thought was funny, you know, when we when we finally met is when I would tell the manufacturer, you know, you should let me talk to Mariani Landscaping. They would say, you know, the manufacturer could never understand um, why the, it's actually ironic as we're having this conversation about noise pollution. My neighbor must be getting mowed right now and their lawnmower just turned on. So I don't know if you can hear that background. But, but you know, they asked, why would, why would Mariani want to buy from you? Because you're also using them in your landscape company, you know? And the one thing that I noticed when you talked about your nurseries was you thought in the, in the beginning, why, you know, why would anybody buy from the competition with Mariani plants? But you hit it on the head. People do it because you grow different plants and you don't do something that's boring. You, you have a differentiator at your nurseries that, that make people come to you because you did something different. And that's the one thing that I always am telling Julia is as long as we are leading in finding the best automation for companies like yourself so that you can get it out there and just take care of your customer, which is part of your vertical integration, you don't have to be dabbling and trying to find the best automation. And I think it's, it's played itself out, you know, just like you said, you keep the same pricing as, as long as we're offering, you know, 20% fleet discounts to up to landscaping companies, we're all in the same playing field and we're providing better service for our customers. And one of the things that I liked about working with you, Frank, and maybe you can elaborate on this was, you know, one of the fears I had with working with other companies would be that they would take this and then not understand the value and start offering price decreases. But this is something we do daily for people. So, you know, what I always say, and then, you know, you can elaborate on this, people are getting more value for the same cost because it's mowing every day. So would you like to expand on that or what you're seeing at Mariani um, with, with your customers? Well, you know, I mean, we went into this thing, you know, we did mini business plan and, uh, you know, we toyed with the idea of having a client pay for, we toyed with the idea. We, we knew a couple of things. Number one, uh, be careful what you wish for. Um, none of these u- units are perfect, you know, nobody, and they're going to keep developing and improving every day. And it reminds me a little bit, you know, years and years ago, you two are you too young but they had the first digital watch and they were like 1500 bucks and they didn't work, work with a dam within a year or two, they were down to about 50 bucks and they were solid as could be. Um, you know, we were a little worried. We'd pay a lot for these machines right now, which we are, 
Um, and that the price would, you know, the they're going to improve, which they are doing every single day. And we're going to have obsolete machines. But I think what's important is, is we know that we can, we can recoup the cost. Um, we can actually spend more time making a, a client's property look terrific. Every day is Friday. Um, and we have the capital to make this investment where a lot of our competitors don't. So it's a differentiator from between us and everybody else. Plus other people, they're not risk takers and we are. Um, So uh, to me, it wasn't that risky. And um, we're still learning each and every day. And uh, uh, we're happy to have you as a partner that helps us learn from the things that you find and vice versa. And so therefore, um, I think we'll, we'll be the leader in the clubhouse for the foreseeable future. And, um, and I do think that a lot of the manufacturers look to us as a good mule, as a good test. <laughs> uh, uh, and we're happy to do that because we learn from that too. So, you know, all these things are, you know, it's, 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 you know, when people talk about robotics, you know, and they act like it's a cutting edge, I look at them, really? I mean, you know what? Uh, come on, wake up. Uh, this is this is not futuristic. This is past tense. Get on the program and do what you can to, to, to improve the environment. I mean, landscape contractors are some of the... the Biggest offenders, uh, you know, uh, uh, when it comes to, you know, the biggest trucks and the most fuel and, you know, you know, I have the most trucks and I have the most gas powered equipment. I have the noisiest equipment. Give me a break. We're supposed to be professionals and professionals should be setting the standards. You know, one of the things that I see, I would love to go in the neighborhoods and say, guess what? You know, we use all robotic mowers. How quiet is your, your in by the way, we'll take it one step further. We'll bomb in 20 trucks in one day for one hour and do everybody in your street if you could get everybody to agree. And you're going to have one hour of noise versus somebody does Julie's house at 10 o'clock, somebody does Joe's house at 11 o'clock, somebody does Frank's house at 12 o'clock, and you have a week of noise. So those kind of things, you know, those are the type of things that we try to encourage people to do. Um, we had a meeting this spring with the village of Lake Bluff because, uh, there was a group of very angry homeowners that were just sick of blower noise. And so they asked me to come and speak. So I was, wasn't sure if I was going to get tarred, feathered. (laughs) I thought for sure, at least they'd be ridiculing me and yelling at me and all that. But I went there and I said, look. So I got to tell you something. I hate blower noise, mower noise, trimmer noise, truck noise. I said, but I also like money. And I know that a lot of these noisy machines save you, the end user, a lot of money. Because to do it all manually, which I'm happy to do, I'll send everybody. I got... 600 guys at Mariani will do it by hand, but it's going to cost you more. If you're willing to pay, we'll do it. I said, but I have a better idea. I know 
that Ron Fiocchi, we're testing these robots. You can see it up at Lake Forest uh, Library every single day. Go look at them. See how quiet they are. That's one notch in our belt as far as improving the noise pollution situation. We're buying the newest blowers. They're not quiet, but they're a hell of a lot quieter than other ones. We're telling our team, don't have two blowers going at the same time. We're telling our team, run the blowers at half throttle. We t- I got a standing ovation by the time I told them everything we're doing. I said, furthermore, I'm going to have a meeting next week at our office. As a matter of fact, so I don't scare people away, we'll have it in your office in Lake Bluff City Hall, if you'll allow it. And I'll ask Scott Byron and Rocco Fiore and Chalet and Scapoletti and everybody to, to join me, join us in this effort to quiet things down. They were thrilled. And we did that. We got everybody to sign off. Look, we still screw up uh, occasionally. I mean, the, about three weeks later, I was on Green Bay Road. I saw three guys of our guys on the parkway with three blowers. I almost had a heart attack. Yeah. But we fixed that problem real quick. And, um, and we're getting better all the time. So, well, and you uh, said earlier, I mean, nobody's perfect. It's just, the, it's, it's the willingness to try to be as, as uh, perfect as possible, you know? So, right, right. you know, I mean, you, you saw your three guys and, you know, you addressed it because you, you already spoke to it, but you know, um, the, the thing that's interesting to me is you, you said you called on some of these other companies how receptive were they to your idea to uh, bring these noise levels down? Well, I was uh, shocked. They were very respect, respect. Uh, you know, they respect the, the, the challenge. And I think majority of them also want to survive and understand, look, uh, and I know you know this, uh, Joe, and Julia probably does too, but uh, communities throughout the country have adopted these no blower rules and everything. They all fail. The police don't have enough time to do their job right now. They sure to heck aren't going to start giving citations, uh, you know, uh, yeah, for, for blower noise. Yeah. They, they really aren't. And so you're asking the police to do something they don't have the time or the wherewithal to do. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, my big push to the larger uh, uh, landscape companies is, look, if they are going to give anybody a ticket, it's going to be us. Because they see the green and green truck. We know, they know we'll pay our, our, uh, our, our ticket. And yeah. so they're not going to go to the fly-by-night. They're going to go to us. So it's in your best interest to do something about it and be a good neighbor. Plus, what's wrong with being a good neighbor? You know, so we got a lot of good PR from it. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, the people are going to look to people like you to lead, lead the wave because yeah, I mean, when you're driving in your area, you can't help but to notice the green on green trucks all over the place. And, and, you know, you are the, uh, you know, what, when you think of landscaping on the North shore of Chicago, you think Mariani, you know, so. Well, you uh, know, when, when, when I picked those colors out, the green and green, I thought about, uh, Two companies, Brickman, who had the brown and brown trucks at that time. Yeah. Which, by the way, for the life of me, when they joined with uh, Valley Crest. And they switched to white. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, why they wouldn't have left Valley Crest red with a small thing, a Brightview company, and the brown and brown Brickman that had, between both companies, you know, 200 years of 
name brand recognition. recognition. Yeah, brand. Why you do that? But whatever. They're smarter than I am. Um, but I thought about Brickman, the brown and brown trucks. You always knew. I thought about uh, UPS, and I thought about affordable roofing that used to have these pink trucks, and you know, smeared with tar, by the way. But the other thing is, so I picked out. I said I'm going to go with a two tone. You know, I looked and uh, ambulance and fire and everything was that light green. And I thought about it and I said, oh, my God, let's use this this color. Obviously, it's a color that grabs people's attention. And I wasn't thinking about grabbing attention for our brand. What I was thinking is we're driving through residential areas. Can you imagine if a little kid on a tricycle or bicycle notices the green and it stops them from going out on the road as we're coming down it? Wouldn't that be worth it? And lo and behold, you know, we came up to green and green. Then it turns out that, you know, we don't even need a logo on our truck because everybody can see the green and green coming. So that's, it's worked out to be a good thing. Now the cost associated with painting them green and green is not too great, but I doubt if we'll be going white anytime soon. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I I will say this, like even when it comes to the robotic lawnmowers you guys are using, you spend a lot of time and effort to get them branded and painted your color, which I actually think is brilliant um well, i don't I, like I, orange what's that i don't like orange i know i don't like the husqvarna orange either so honestly i've been trying to pull with them um to get it where we can figure out how many you have to order how many i have to order um just to get custom colored skins because you know when, when you look at it it's it's an abs it's plastic it should not be that difficult you know i think that would go you know the other thing is is maybe maybe the you know to get a wrap yeah, yeah, the wrap might be the easier way to it do might, it. It might be something to do too, and That's then you could replace that too. Or you, you know, as we we're, we're nowhere near this, but when, I imagine you'll be selling some of our older ones someday, and maybe you just pull the wrap off them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well. You know, that's the thing that's important to be said because you brought up, the, you know, how the technology is always going to change. You know, one thing when you look at the European <laughs> market, Frank, was or is when you look at you know, the couple million they have out there, the technology actually hasn't changed all that much um, <laughs> because every time they try to change it and get line of sight, um, well, now most yards, especially your yards, are going to have tree cover um, and, and now you run out of line of sight. So now you go back to the wired system. Um, and the other thing that I always like to talk about, talking about solutions is so many people who are not risk takers like you and I are, want to wait they keep saying i'll wait until there's a full solution i think that's great let let, let them wait for about another 10 years i'll be yeah exactly but one of the things frank that i i never understand is nothing in the landscape industry is a full solution and the things that they try to come out with that are like a three-in-one solution are horrible anyways you know when they try to come out with a line trimmer slash hedge trimmer that doesn't work in our industry because neither does a great job at both, you know? So when people say, well, the line trimmer doesn't get up to the, or the mower doesn't get up to the edges all the way, it needs to trim the lines. Well, we don't have that in the industry anyways, right? I mean, I you know, know the, the, the interesting thing, Joe, is uh, just as you, you speak, I mean, I'm kind of, uh, you know, crazy guy as far as I want, you know, our clients' homes to look great all the time. Um used to be very, very, very important to me. You know, I'm not home that much as it is, 
if I was going to be home on Sunday, I would have loved for the team, even though a lot of, you know, in spring and fall, we use work Saturdays and the summer we don't, but I'd prefer to be cut, you know, Saturday night. So that Sunday, the place looked great. Well, you know, every day it's cut now. Yeah. And even though it doesn't go right up to the edges, I don't notice that. And I'm crazy about detail. You don't notice it. You know, and it gets a little bit closer, the better you do with your wiring and all that kind of stuff. And the guys, then when they go once a week with the weed ears, they trim those those edges down really low. It's, I mean, it's nirvana for me. You know, I mean, it's really, really that strong. Um, so it's well worth the effort and the time. Um, but, you know, like I said, uh, we are taking advantage of our, uh, financial strength to make a major, major investment. I know other people aren't, and I get that, but we're going to take advantage of that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I talk to people about with making the investments, I mean, every day, Frank, we have to make investments to better our company, better, you know, get new equipment, get new trucks, stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the thing that I always try to speak to is <clears throat> you're with robotics I always see it as we're investing in our customer because we're giving them daily mowing. We're investing in the future of our company because robotics, say what you want, attract younger people going to school right now because it's technology. And people like my daughter are immersed in technology. I mean, even when we're trying to get on the Zoom calls, she's the one telling me, well, try this, try that, because it's what they do. I'm right. 41 and I'm like as frustrated as you were trying to get on the call, you know? So um, it, it, it attracts new talent to keep the people coming in the door at the landscaping companies. And lastly, for the amount of money that we're investing in the equipment on the front end, we are saving money, you know, some money that we can reinvest to employee wages in workman's comp costs and in just general labor costs so that you can take those people and put them in the higher labor pool. So take, take, take it one step further, Joe. Now think about this. You've seen our fleet, right? Yeah. Our fleet is made up of F-350s, uh, F-450s, and larger, uh, so that we can, we're never going to have three people across. They're going to be, you know, two and two at most. So we have four doors, which costs us more, or crew cab, whatever you call it. Um, then you have trailers. Why? Because you've got to put the lawnmowers on them. Yeah. Okay. This is going to change everything. Yeah. You're not, you may not even need trailers anymore. Plus you have dump boxes for what? Grass clippings. Now you still need dump boxes for leaves, but maybe what you'll do is you'll have lighter wear, light, lighter trucks. Uh, they might be panel trucks. They will be more fuel efficient. They may not require a trailer anymore. There's all kind. We got to reinvent the whole thing. How much money is that going to save? Oh, you well, know, you're going you're going to have a new type of fleet that can be more fuel efficient, cheaper to buy, and maybe not pulling a trailer. Maybe you do pull a trailer, but we're going to reinvent everything because. You know, tell me, there's going to be commercial mowers available too. You're going to leave on site, never move. Just think about that. Maybe the leaf situation now, you're just going to have a leaf truck that goes up, sucks up the leaves, and goes from site to site to site. Instead of having 65 dump trucks, you have three trucks now picking up the leaves. You got to reinvent your company. This thing that you brought to us, 
these robotic mowers are going to reinvent Mariani. And yeah. by the way, we're going to try and do, should I have told everybody this? Maybe not, but I got a big mouth. But, you know, we're going to reinvent the company. Yeah. So, well, I, you know, I think that uh, people, people always tell me I have a big mouth and my, my franchise attorney thinks, you know, this podcast is a bad idea because I'm giving away ideas on it. But, right. You know, what I always say is this industry is large enough and there's enough there's enough work that needs to be done to be done to have a collaborative approach. You can still be competitive and always be trying to make your company structure um, the best you can make it. But at the end of the day, if, if if there's a lot of great minds in our industry, and I don't think it's appreciated enough. You know, I I said many a times, people will see the car I drive or the house I live in. They'll ask me what I do, and I tell them. I, I'm on a landscape and snow removal company, now a robotic company with my daughter. But when I tell them a landscape company, they they almost look at me like with disbelief, you know, and there's so many great minds in our industry because when you think about it, Frank, we're chemists, we're biologists, we're business owners. The amount of things that we have to, to juggle in our industry that other industries don't have to do, you know, if you sell cars, you know what the car costs, you know what it's going to cost to go out the door, you know? Um, so when we collaborate, like we, you and I are doing, there's a lot of good things that are going to come from it. Well, you, 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 you got some of these calls, you know, you got immigration issue, you have language issues. Um, you have, uh, you know, like you said, you, you have got, uh, in, in insect issues, you've got, you know, organic issues, you've got, um, uh, by the way, I think shouldn't say issue. These are all opportunities. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, when I, when I uh, joined YPO, um, I was, Fred asked me, my partner asked me, he, he ran a company called liquid controls, which made uh, precision valves for little companies like NASA or Boeing. And uh, you know, where everything had to be precise. And pre I said, why the heck do you want a landscaper? To giant, I mean, why, you know, I'm I, this with the Duchess Hua family was there, the Pritzkers were there. You want Frank Mariani, a landscape contractor, to come? Yeah, I think you'd, I think you'd be a good member. And I think, and, and I went, I got such an appreciation because guess what? Running this company was way more complicated than the majority of those other companies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden I got a greater appreciation for what we do. And a greater understanding that, guess what? This is pretty complicated. And, uh, you know, you should give yourself a pat on the back once in a while. Uh, but that probably came back because, you know, when I was a kid, my dad had nine guys. You know, I'm, I'm ashamed to say it now, but I was embarrassed. You know, I didn't want to, you know, my friends who, went to, who I went to school with, their dads were doctors and dentists and attorneys and lawyers and ran, you know, real companies. And we ran a landscape company. We were grass cutters. Well, guess what? We aren't anymore. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the robotic thing is just another level of expertise. And it's, a, you know, it, it, I think you made a great point with Julia and with you know, younger people. Um, when we put our first mower over at Lake Forest Library, to watch moms and dads and kids go up there to see that was, it's still to this. Now we have it at Forest Park. Downtown Lake Forest. Oh, by the way, somebody stole one out of Lake. Did you hear about that? Yeah, Tim told me. Well, and I guess they messed with it first. They like moved it, 
you yeah. guys put it back and then they took it and it was like on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. yeah. But but you recovered it. We recovered it. You know, yeah. got the GPS and yeah. uh, and it's back there again and somebody else. Now, I am disappointed in Julia's, you know, that group of kids in a sense that when I went to high school, by the way, you guys can cut this out. I would have stole it myself. You know, I mean, it just would have been fun <laughs> to go there. I mean, I couldn't believe that nobody took one of these mowers, you know, just because, you, you know, when you're kids, you're jerks and you got to do silly things like that. Uh, but uh, that's been the only incident. See, so because kids nowadays, Frank, are taking like Instagram, like selfies in front of them and posting yeah. them and just doing yeah. stuff like that. That's I, I think as our generation, I think it's more like, oh, I want to mess with it, not do the full thing and steal it and get rid of it so they can't find it. We just want to play with yeah, which is probably why it was in the bushes. It was probably two separate people. Yeah, we just it, you want know? you just want to mess with people. You yeah. don't want to do right. the whole the whole thing. Yeah, but it's it's actually, but you know, you know, you look into the future. You know, it's I I see it having a big big impact doing sidewalks. You know, snow. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. So you know. Cooper scoopers and you know all that stuff's coming as we both know or three. So Frank, of us. you 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 know I have the left hand machine now for the snow, yeah, right? You know, uh, twenty miles sidewalk. But the um, one thing I want to elaborate to with the kids because I don't want to get off this, and then I, I'm sorry I interrupted you. But when I do lawn and garden shows, um, which next when we can finally do shows again, um, I think it'd be awesome to have a Mariani booth right next to uh, AOS booth at like one of the late four shows or something, but it amazes me, Frank, people my age and your age will walk up to the booth and sometimes they'll, you'll look, you'll see them looking at it and it's their kids that go, it's a robot lawnmower. And the kids, I mean, and I'm talking five-year-olds, little kids are telling the mom and dads who are trying to figure out what the heck is moving around in our booth, that it's a robot lawnmower. It, and it just proves, you know, the future, right? I mean, we're guys like you, guys like I, we have to overcome to our customer base that this is a better way of doing things. Her generation and beyond is just going to, this is just going to be commonplace. And one of the things that I tell people is it, it, it's, it's, it's not so much a robot, it's an automatic lawnmower, much like a dishwasher in your house is automatic. If you, so, go, if you go to my Instagram, which I'm sure you have, You've seen my grandson, Joseph Francis Mariani Johnson. He's never going to be able to spell his name until he's about 18. <laughs> uh, but he's one, he had just was a little over two years old. We put the mower in at his house. The mower's name is Luigi. He goes out there and he has his pop pop push mower. He goes right next to it. We have no fear of him you know, uh, uh, getting hurt. He tells Luigi when Luigi goes to park to charge, he says, Luigi is sleeping. Mm -hmm. It's the greatest thing in the world, but he's wow. all over this robotic. Mode. He's two, Well, he's going to be three in October now, but he's why he's grown up with this robotic mower. He thinks it's the coolest thing since sliced bread. Yeah. So those kind of things, uh, it's, you're right. You know, young, young, people understand this. And that's why I say, I mean, five years, you know, I hope we don't have one gas powered mower or, yeah. or, or a manually operated mower. Now I know that's not realistic, but we're going to do our best to make it as realistic as possible. 
Yeah, what I'd like to do in our upcoming partnership, and I don't know if you've seen this, but we've started working with a company called AGZA in quiet yeah. communities. And I've actually talked to them about, since I had that relationship, introducing you to them to start to get some of your guys' properties green zoned um, and get you guys listed in quiet communities because, you know, the park you bring up right by Lake Michigan, you know, it's like such a beautiful area. There's butterflies flying all over and those wildflowers on the hill over there. And now you have these completely silent lawnmowers doing their thing. And honestly, Frank, I was thinking this would be a perfect property to try to get some green zoning for you at Mariani so you guys can, you know, you can show the community out there what Mariani Landscaping is giving back to them with carbon reduction. Um, one of the things we started doing this year was listing on our AOS website the combined efforts with people like Mariani and LinkedIn and, and other landscapers doing this to show the cumulative carbon footprint reduction. So I think, Julia, what are we up to right now? Like so at least 100,000, but I have to see if that number is, that that be included all the numbers that we sold. So, so yeah, so I mean, there's, there's easily 100,000 pounds of carbon that have been reduced just with people like you and I getting started with this. Right. Um, and that's one of the cool things marketing wise that I'd like to start to build some momentum because I don't I think, think people realize the investment that you're making, we're making to create a better future for people right. without getting any credits for it. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like yeah. we're not getting lead credits and tax benefits. We're doing this because we think it's, it's the right thing to do. Absolutely. Um, you know, so that's, that's it. That's absolutely true. So, um, you know, I went through your, your questions. I, I, you know, I think we've. Yeah, we, we went completely on our own thing here, Frank. You, yeah. you know, the one thing I'd like to elaborate on is, you know, Frank Jr. Um, you know, and this, this goes towards Julia being, doing this with me. Um, you know, any, you know, to tell me a little background on your family, kids you have, uh, give us a, a little background on that. And then where you hope, like Frank Jr. ties in and taking over, he's already taken over a section uh, or an area of your company, but maybe let's talk about that. Well, you know, I've got uh, my son, uh, Frank Jr., who is, uh, he's actually, we call him Frank Jr., he's actually Francis Vito, and my dad's name was Vito Mariani. Um, but, um, you know, Frank is, uh, doing business development and, uh, and does a very nice job with that. And, you know, I try to, uh, uh, initiate, you know, the opportunity for him to see every segment of everything we do. It's pretty overwhelming, but, you know, he does a great job, but it's not important to him. It's not really important to me that quote unquote, he takes over. Uh, because, you know, we've got a president, we've got managers in every single different department, uh, division, whatever you want to call it that we have, and everybody works as a team. I, you know, I'm very comfortable knowing that, uh, you know, God forbid I walk out of the office and get hit by a train, Mariani Landscape's not going anywhere, nor is Hampshire Farms, nor is Mariani Plants. We've got a great team. They might even be better off without me. So that's, you know, that's kind of, and, and uh, you know, one thing about my son, he's never had a sense of entitlement. 
you know, it's as uh, it's not, you know, that's not what drives him. So that's kind of nice. Um, I've got a daughter who has worked here at the company, but right now she's a full-time mom and doing a great job with that. Her husband happens to be an arborist and, and uh, a partner with his brother at Nels Johnson Tree Experts. Uh, we use them for some of our work, but we also partner with Bartlett and, and uh, uh, Save a Tree and, uh, you know, Urban uh, Arborists and, and other people. So, again, it's a little bit like the Mariani Nursery where we sell to our competition. We sell to ourselves. Same thing. Uh, with arborists and masonry and all these other, we use a lot of different subs for a lot of different reasons. Um, he, the uh, you know family is, is very important to me, but uh, uh, I had two brothers that worked here and and were did a nice job of helping us create our brand, but no longer work here anymore. And um, one of the things that I think family businesses have to worry about is treating family different than anybody else. You know, if, if, if everybody isn't on an equal standing, you're not going to keep people around for 40 years. Um, if they think that they're always going to be in the background or they're always going to have to be subservient in some way, that doesn't recognize performance and, and, and that doesn't build a lot of uh, opportunity for a, a honest career path. So that's kind of the way I look at family. Um, um, and, and the same token, I believe one of the best things about Mariani is we are a big family, but it has nothing to do with the Mariani name. It has to do with being a part and associate Mariani. You're part of our family. So um, I think our clients are part of our family. I think you guys are part of our family. I think the other vendors that we use are part of our family. and. Uh, it, Again, we're not perfect, but we try to create a an environment where you know people are respectful, and uh, you know, obviously, we're doing a pretty good job. You know, there's something else that's important. Um, you know, Illinois right now, like again, getting in the political thing, there are a lot of people that are choosing to move out of Illinois for tax, basically tax reasons, and maybe they don't like what's going on downtown or whatever the case may be. I mean. I'm hopeful that maybe what's happened these last few months will start to open people's eyes. But Chicago is a phenomenal city. And Chicago has had tremendous amount of corporate growth, corporations, for only one reason, because kids love Chicago. And the, you know, you've got Notre Dame, UIC, Michigan, uh, I mean, look at this Illinois. Uh, I the kids graduate graduate and they move to Chicago, so therefore <laughs> there's a labor pool of bright-minded young people uh, that surpasses basically almost anywhere in the country. And for that reason, I think Chicago. And plus, I love Chicago. I don't like what's going on right now. Nobody does, but that'll it'll get fixed. And therefore. I'm not afraid of losing a big market share because people are moving, moving, moving. In fact, we've actually seen, you know, with this COVID, the one good thing out of this COVID is people are staying home. And like my, my parents and my grandparents, they used to have dinner parties. They didn't go to restaurants. 
They'd have cocktail parties. They'd have dinner parties. They'd have barbecues. That's coming back. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and guess what? Guess what they're looking at when they're there? They're looking at our landscape. Mm-hmm. They're giving us an opportunity to build not only a beautiful landscape, but uh, create outdoor spaces, fireplaces, fire pits, swimming pools, spas, uh, barbecues, outdoor kitchens, pergolas, screen porches. It goes on and on and on. So our business is on fire. Yeah. And yeah, I, I've said COVID was for our industry, I mean, I feel, I do feel bad for the restaurant owners, but for I our feel industry, horrible for them. It, and by the way, it's only going to get worse this winter. Oh, I did wor- uh, uh, read this morning um, that uh, I'm going to screw this up, but anyway, there uh, it was a cruise cruise ship or something. Anyway, there were hundred cases on this cruise ship, hundred cases. Three people had already gotten the disease like me. Mm-hmm. None of the three were reinfected. Now, really? it's been my belief from day one. I, uh, I gave plasma at Evanston because mm-hmm. I have the anti- antibodies. I keep hearing, you know, you got all these people out there trying to scare the hell out of everybody that you can get this again. Me personally, now, remember, I am a landscape contractor, not a doctor. I don't believe you can get it once you've had it. And what I read this morning is, is that, uh, so some people said, well, they were lucky they didn't get it. And I guess the amount of people that were on this ship and the fact they didn't get it, they said that had nothing to do with luck. It was obvious the antibodies would not allow them to get it again. That was great news. I hope uh, all the different news channels out there will spread that word because they've done sure done a great job of scaring the hell out of everybody and i'm not afraid yeah i i doubt i doubt it'll get spread on for or that, right. that they'll actually report to it um you know we we at our company seem to think that we had it actually after the i landscape show frank um we well, had, yeah, but had that's because that's because you guys were holding hands and everything well exactly i mean you know you you got you got to make your customers feel appreciated you know but but you know ironically i mean i had after that show we had a couple people go to the hospital for it and at that time they didn't even know covid existed so right they they literally said well you don't have pneumonia you don't um you don't have strep we don't really know what it is here's a nebulizer and go home and you know we had people with 103.5 degree fever so you know, the, the the thing about it is, though, before COVID, it, everybody just assumed it was a really bad flu, you know? Right. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's difficult when you think about, you know, you, you, we keep saying we don't want to talk politics, but I don't think there's so much politics as just talking common sense, that they'll take certain businesses, like a restaurant that already has to sanitize and get health inspections and, and all sorts of things that other businesses don't need to do. And you'll shut them down, but a grocery store, you can still let people walk in and pick up a piece of produce, touch it, feel it, squeeze it, and put it down because they don't like it. That somehow is acceptable. You know, I said from the beginning, if, if you know, common sense wise, if you only let people go to the uh, grocery stores on certain days, um, based on age, you could limit exposure. But of course that was, you know, no, we're not going to do that, but we'll shut down all the restaurants. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it, Frank, I, I, you know, not to get 
I don't want to turn people off to my podcast, but on the other hand, um, or our podcast, but there is some common sense thing that just do not make yeah. sense. And hopefully it all self-corrects itself in a few months. Well, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that the recent, uh, uh, unrest and everything is, is, is hopefully at the end of the day is going to bring people back together because I think it's a, it's a very small minority that's creating all this stuff. Yeah. Plus I also think there's, we can all always learn even from troublemakers that there are things that we can improve upon Absolutely. and, and we should adapt those. But I, I do believe uh, Republicans, Democrats, majority of people kind of walk down the center and are good people. And uh, if we can get back to that, we'll be okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not watching the Democratic convention. I'm not watching the Republican convention. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll make my choice when the time comes and uh, we'll move forward. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've never been one that really depends on the government for anything. So, uh, you know, I, I'll depend on my fellow Americans to, to make the right choices. And I hope we all do. So that's uh, well said, Frank, we could almost, uh, you know, you, you could, we could almost end on that note. That, that was uh, very wise great. to, to okay. say it that way, you know, Good. um, I, 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 I want to thank you for coming on, um, the show, uh, you know, I guess I could, uh, say that or I should say that I totally appreciate our partnership. Um, and Feeling is mutual. And uh, yeah, Julie, do you have anything you want to say? Any takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I know I didn't talk that much. So I, I feel like I have to note this just for the entire podcast because this is more out of my comfort zone, like actually interviewing people. But like, to me, it's just a learning experience. I'm taking everything in from both of you. But like something you brought up, I think, in your first podcast is everyone says they're not you. So like to anyone listening to the podcast, I'm really quiet right now, but I know I'm you. I just have to grow into it. <laughs> so like I'm just observing and just taking everything in. So like to me, like I know in the beginning, you're talking about being better just every single day. So I always want to improve, but not only just in a year do I want to be better. Tomorrow, I'm just going to be like every day I'm going to be better. So to me, that, that's, that's Julia. That How old are you, hon? I just turned 20. You're just turned 20. I mean, that's you have a great attitude. And, and, and you have a great smile and you have a great mind. You got a great dad. So you got everything going for you. Take take advantage of it. Yeah, I will. For sure. And I know you're going to be extremely successful. Push him right out of that chair right there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks, Frank. Thanks for all you. Look forward to seeing you again. Yeah. Julia, nice meeting you. Bye-bye. Nice to meet you as well. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to invite you to check out AutomatingSuccessShow.com where you can watch each episode's best business automation and growth strategies and download Joe's 11 keys to automating your business for maximum growth. Please follow us on Instagram at AutomatingSuccessShow for more helpful automating business tips, tricks, and silly memes on maximizing growth and productivity. If you felt any benefit from this show, please let us know by leaving an iTunes review, sharing this episode on social media and emailing a link to anyone you think would also find benefit. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway and more, much more than this. 
I did it my 